Stardate 0224.2021. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, the kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new Star Trek and beyond. I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen, we have Mariah Gossett, Clyde Haynes, and Grant Davis. Guys, tonight we're streaming the pod live on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter to continue our discussion from the last pod about so Star Trek. So much to say about Star Trek Discovery Season 3, the season that passed, and a few things to theorize on about Star Trek Discovery Season 4, which might happen in the future, hopefully. We still don't have a premiere date for any of the shows coming out. Um, but if you have theories about Star Trek Discovery Season 4, even about Picard or Lower Decks or Strange New Worlds, pointing a lot, uh, <laughs> feel free to drop those theories in the chat. Um, if you have stuff that you want to see happen in New Trek uh, as we go through the year, uh, feel free to drop it in the chat and we'll talk about it. Um, also, this is going to be kind of a loose hang, I think. We... Um, uh, I think I'm getting loose. <laughs> getting loose. <laughs> I in the YouTube description, like about half an hour ago, I'm like, man, I didn't really prepare for this, but I really want to do it. So I I altered the title with the with the words "loose hang" at the end. Oh, oh no! Oh, no. That'll save us. That'll so it's a loose. It's a looser hang. Am I loose? Like a loose hang? We got Not we like got a, a tight hang, but like a loose. Like you're nailing it as far as what the loose thing is. That's what if I'm you are listening to the audio only version of this podcast, Clyde is leaning very far back in his chair, looking like he is having the ultimate hangout session. And lean back. And no one's concerned about keeping this a tight focus episode. So it's perfect. <laughs> it's but a loose there hang. Are, there are things we do have to get out of the way, like how you yes. can support this podcast. Uh, one of those ways is to make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of these loose hangs of ours and you get to laugh at how ridiculous that we are. Uh, those places include Apple, Spotify. Uh, you can also subscribe on YouTube, Twitch, all those places if you want to watch the video version and see Clyde be his ultimate chill self. Uh, you can find links to all of that and more at StarTrekPod.co. Um, also... If you are here in the U.S. and you just finally got your relief check for for the pandemic and you want to put that money to use, patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. That is a place you can go where you can make a per episode donation. Give us two bucks an episode and you can get exclusive access to our Slack channel. You can also join us for our, um, you know, we do a little, little minis. Here and there, you can join us when we're doing those. Sometimes we're kicking it, doing a little online quiz about like which Trek character are we, and I never know who it is at the end because I don't understand who these characters are. But loose hangs, <laughs> loose hang, man. <laughs> it's just a loose hang. So yeah, we'd love to have your money and your support, and we'd love to have you join us over in the Slack channel with other fantastic people that are already there, and we want to thank everyone who has already supported us so much in this adventure we love y'all indeed yes and as much as we love the live the the audio only podcast i have to say for those of you who are here with us live right now if you're watching us live we want you to participate just don't listen participate so toss us some questions, some comments in the live chat. And if you want to do that, make sure that you type in capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the chat so that we can see your question or your comment. And we'll even try and address it later in the show. All right. Very good. Let's uh, carry on. Let's go ahead and drop some quick season three hot freaks. Actually, Mariah, Grant, and I dropped our season three hot freak last time so now it's time for clyde's hot freak oh, wait, wait, wait hold wait, up yep yeah, wait for it so let me get this straight last week you had the 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 torch hot freak but my hot freak is Riker with the chest out I mean, it's so interesting that Hot Freak is because I want to be distracted by Deanna Troy, but I can't 
because of the Riker chest out. No, um, my hot freak. Look, when I look back at season three, I loved season three. I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. And but I have to ask myself, why did I think it was fantastic? And it, it comes down for me to storytelling. And I, I, I looked at it and said, great storytelling <laughs> is about um, when you know what's going to happen. And you don't care, and you're there for every moment. And I think what we got in Star in, in this season of Star Trek Discovery was we knew that the good guys were going to win. We it was back to to Trek being Trek, but we didn't really care. Like the storytelling was so good that you wanted to see what happened to Osira, you wanted to see what happened to Book, you wanted to see what happened, kind of on Book's planet with his brother. Like these are the the stories that you wanted to see, even though you knew at the end they were going to win. Um, and so I, I felt like we were getting back to this traditional track. Um, and I enjoyed that. I also thought by and large, w- one of the things that we thought we were going to get in the very beginning was, um, how did the Federation get formed? Right. Is one of these prequel storylines that we were looking at and what the writers were able to do is give us that in the future. So toss out the constraints of 10 years before, you know, the the original series, and we're going to give you formation of, of the Federation, kind of the origin story, only almost a thousand years in the future. So um, I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed, you know, much of what you guys talked about last week, the storylines of seeing the evolution of, of Burnham and knowing that at some point she was going to get in that chair, but the how it was going to happen and getting us to a point where I don't know that there's a a strong criticism on her being in the chair. From day one, we all had differing opinions of of whether or not she should be in the chair and whether or not we wanted Saru to be in the chair or Tilly to be in the chair. And they brought it to a place where, where Burnham's in the chair and it makes sense. Um, we've gotten some new characters We've gotten rid of some old, brought back some others. Um, and so this has just been a season I've really enjoyed. And I'm, you know, now that we're a couple weeks out, I'm already missing it a bit, right? I'm already looking at Thursdays and going, ugh, I really wish I had some discovery to watch on a Thursday. Um, so by and large, I'll just say that I, I was I was here for, for this season. Um, I hope we get more of this. I think at each of the three seasons have been incredibly different and unique, but I want more of season three. Nice, Clyde. Yeah, nice job, Clyde. Oh, it looks like Grant made me the... Uh... All right, then. Oh, Uh-oh. well, come on now. Where'd Clyde go? <laughs> Where Grant, what are you all? doing? <laughs> I was thinking it would be funny if when Clyde came back, we were all just like not on camera. But no one else is really on the same page as me on that. So loose hang, <laughs> loose hang, loose hang. <laughs> I um, <sighs> Clyde. One of the points you made, and I really in, uh, agree with you, is like the strength of the storytelling. And I really liked seeing this reformation of the Federation in this this instance. Um, and you know, in in prep for this particular episode today, I was looking at the timeline of production and the writer's room got extra time for this next season because of COVID. And so I'm kind of, I'm excited to see what they can do with a little extra time in production um, in the writer's room. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens for season four. COVID is the gift that just keeps giving. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a gift. Um, You know, something that you guys said last week that I thought was interesting was just the fact of of what the writers did to us and looking at so many people as sus, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were we were just suspicious of everyone, and it was fun. But in the end, we we the heroes were the heroes, right? And and as odd as that sounds, and it's like oh, well, there was a time where we got all of that, and then it feels like for so long we haven't gotten any of it. So to go back to a time where the heroes are the heroes, and I hate to say it, but you can kind of root for Vance. Like, you can look at Vance and go, okay, I can let my guard down a little bit. It's kind of refreshing. Right. I I definitely agree that, like, how they shaped our expectations there with how other TV shows kind of play with... um, the nuance of characters and, and heroes aren't always 
heroes. Um, it, it's fun that they, in a way, subverted that just by kind of going back to the classic model that, oh, no, like, you can you can trust in us. This family isn't trying to trick you like other shows nowadays. But yeah, I wonder if it was written that way. Was it written that way for us to be questioning, like, in terms of Vance? Or... Are we just conditioned <laughs> to think that everybody's going to break bad now? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. And to, to y'all's point, we see it so much with the the rise of the anti-hero. And it was refreshing to see the, you know, the good guys that we want to root for be decent, you know, people who are working for the greater good. Um, it's such a stark. So the show that sort of filled the the hole in my heart for right now, not in the same shape whatsoever, has been Search Party, which the characters are just mm. awful humans, <laughs> terrible yeah. people, but you root for them and you're like, why am I rooting for them? And so uh, it's it's nice to come back to, to, to Disco and to be like, oh, right, these are folks who are trying to do things for the greater good, even if they stumble and fall from time to time. We don't have to be super suspicious all of the time. Yeah. And and, you know, one of the things, one of the dangling threads that we're going to explore more in the next season is actually one of those, those deviations for the hero in that in the last two episodes, we see a betrayal where Burnham takes Stamets and locks him, like kidnaps him, locks him up and shoots him off the ship to save him. But more importantly, save the ship and everyone else from uh, the chain having that kind of technology in their hands. And that came at a cost and Mm -hmm. it was a betrayal of, of trust between her and Stamets that I'm excited to see how that plays out in the next season. I'm hoping they won't drop that and that it will be a real sore point of, of tension between them. No, they they won't drop it. I think um, Anthony Rapp has discussed that. Um, in different interviews, and he said, yep, that is definitely going to be a part of season three, that tension between Burnham and between uh, Stamets. But he was quick to say, don't worry, it'll be fine. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, Star- yeah. it's Star Trek. It'll be fine. Yeah, I was going to say the side eye was was uh, was hard, hard side eye in that last episode from Stamets to Burnham. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, hey, Clyde, yeah. I really liked your hot freak. You were super positive, and you kind of mirrored um uh our thoughts on it um but you brought up the idea of uh watching the the origin of the federation in a way that we never thought we would get it you know a brand new federation a thousand years in the future that was cool um but i'm wondering if you had any um was there stuff that you didn't like that you want to see that you don't want to see going forward that you want changed going forward or just stuff that you're like why did they do this Okay, so I don't remember his name, but the guy we saw in like episode one who was basically waiting all by himself at that outpost, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's kind of cool. There's some symmetry of like seeing him in the first episode and then again in like the last episode. There were a lot of episodes in between where he could have showed up and they could have handled that. Waiting to the end was completely unnecessary. That's your gripe? <laughs> well, no, but no, but my gripe is the one thing that I that that I felt like I couldn't quite connect with was we were introduced to characters only to have them kind of discarded or set aside throughout the the season, right? Like a, another one is, and I can't remember their name, but. Um, Vance's like second in command. Right. Like, there is a lot about that character that I felt like you could have worked with. And then we got him in like three scenes throughout the entire series uh season. So that you're just you're kind of introducing characters that seem rich and seem like, wow, you could do something with this. And then you just kind of toss them aside. Does it feel like uh with characters like that, like with Vance's second, she she was on the disco to uh, to kind of be the liaison between them and the new federation in the future, but that didn't really seem to pan out. We kind of like like ran through that so quickly. Uh, there could have been some cool tension there throughout the season. But do yeah. you think they set that up for like maybe this character is going to uh, have a bigger role in season four? Like, you think we'll see that character again? 
I'm I'm not sure. I'll tell you what it felt like. It felt like somebody said, "Hey, this would be a great character to add to the to the show." Then they put him in the show, and somebody said, "You know what? It didn't work." And then they left, and it just it, it kind of felt like I got these characters, and then we had like Nan who left. Like we saw these characters le- leaving, and it just I, I guess what I'm used to is early on in the seasons of especially a show like Trek. You establish who the characters are. You bring them on, and those are the characters. In this season, which wasn't 22 episodes, but I felt like we lost a couple characters. We were half introduced to a couple characters. And it just seemed, in terms of the people we should be paying attention to, was a little disjointed. I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, too, where it is like, we don't have to know everything about every character right off the bat because we are in a more like longer form storytelling, right? Like we don't have to wrap up everyone's plot within the next 45 minutes. So we don't have to get like every little ounce of detail from them. So I, I sort of like the breadcrumbs and I know like, I think Nan's departure was actually due to the fact that she got another part on another show. Um, (laughs) So they had to sort of elegantly write her away. Um, but yeah, I can, I can see your point in that there are people I would have liked to have seen more, but I'm actually now more excited to see what we get from them in the seasons going forward, because then Mm -hmm. we also got more opportunities to learn more about our bridge crew this season. And I think I'd rather learn more about the characters I've been with thus far and like continue to learn about these new folks as we go forward. You know, you bring up an interesting point that I've I've been struggling with because don't get me wrong, I love the bridge crew, especially Owo. Um, but this feels like a different bridge crew. Normally, when I think about Trek, they've introduced us to this bridge crew that seems to be like the best of the best, right? Like each person sits in the seat and this is like the best science officer in all of Starfleet, the best helmsman in all of Starfleet, right? It's also Harry Kim. Yes. And then Harry Kim, right? And I feel like we don't know if this, this crew feels, I don't want to say more normal, but they haven't established a competency level through exposition that we've normally gotten or some resume. And instead, it's almost like, well, just watch them in action over the course of season after season. And, and you decide whether or not you think they're competent or good or the best of the best. And, and that's been a little interesting to me, especially because this is really the first season that we've really had a chance to meet any of them. Yeah, I like it. It, it uh, The framework for th- these characters and how they're presented to us uh, leaves a lot of room for character exploration. And if this show is going to go nearly as long as those other Star Trek shows did in the 90s in terms of like, you know, five, six, seven seasons, um, then we're going to have a lot of room to really explore these characters. And I, I don't want, you know, just uh, a shallow archetype from this bridge crew. I want to see their vulnerabilities. I want to see, um, I want to see a lot of nuance in the character. And like Mariah was talking about last, last time we talked about all these breadcrumbs for these characters that have been left that really whet our appetite to, uh, to learn a lot more about them. Do you guys think that the show, how long do you think the seasons, this series is going to go at least four or five I, I mean, I've heard the like a seven, like a possibility of a seven series uh, season arc is what they sort of have in mind th- this far. But I, I think it's as long as it's making them money <laughs> and, the, and the main crew will stay, you know? It is CBS. You're right. It's CBS. Seven Freaks of the Red Dot. I was like, they're about to reboot Frasier with a podcast. <laughs> like he's going to have a podcast. So they're, they're definitely down to ke- hold on to legacy media at CBS. Paramount Plus. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh like that, but it's just, I was thinking that so often now we get, we get these shows that almost from day one, they're going, we're doing four seasons. We're doing five seasons. Um, And then I was like, well, I just wonder when Mike, when you talk about these character arcs and then as I, after I asked the question, I realized, oh wait, we are talking about CBS. And when I look at CBS's lineup, these shows are on for like 
13 decades. years, like forever. Like <laughs> even even the ones that don't get buzz are yeah. on for like 10 years. On I mean, how many yeah. NCISs do we have oh, at this point? Geez, yeah, like the new Magnum PI is like on its fourth season already. Like that came out. What? <laughs> Dude. Hey, I want to run through some. And MacGyver. I want to run through some of these comments as we talk because for some reason, sometimes these comments disappear. Um, Linda B says, Pod, I think they might surprise us and we'll see Epps in 2021 because they had a lot of time to plan last year and they know what to do now. Do you think, Mariah, you're usually up on the production here. Are we going to get disco disco in 2021? I, if on, we Mariah. did, it's going to be very late this year, very late this year, because the fact that there are still um, actors on the ground in Toronto filming means they haven't wrapped. And as we saw, like all of the post-production is still happening outside of that process. And so it's like in the grand scheme of like TV and movie making, like you shoot a movie in three weeks and then it takes a year to do the rest of it. So uh, for TV shows, it's usually a pretty similar process. You know, you can go like edit and be doing things at the same time, but it the post production is going to take longer. So I think late this year, if we got of, it, I think a lot of TV shows, it's not very long of an editing process. They are they are turning out episodes that were shot two weeks previous live on TV, but right, but those like are like Star Trek. <laughs> it's quite right, dope, yeah, right? like yeah. sitcoms. Yeah live in front of a TV audience sort of multi-camera things are different than one that has this much like uh, custom music composition and mm. visual effects and like all of those extra details. So I think I read that they're, they're doing this season, like they're shooting the Mandalorian with the giant led screens in the background. Mm. And um, from what I remember from watching the behind the scenes stuff for the Mandalorian, that makes post-production and production a lot faster, which is that Mandalorian style shooting and tossing in the special effects in those screens. So maybe we'll get it before the end of the year. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. I, did I zone out and did Mike say that we were going to get a Mandalorian appearance on, on the next season of discovery? <laughs> That's that what exactly I what I said. 100%, yeah. Yeah. Boba Fett's awesome. you. And uh, a great crossover, and a little, the little baby as well. <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll get Starbuck in two different costumes in the same show. That'd be awesome. Like, <laughs> I'm down for that too. So, um, while, while we're on the subject of season four, what do you? Where do they even go with season four? Ooh, are we gonna? I I have uh, lots of Mariah theory times. Okay. But I do I mean, love Mariah's theory. It's, like, it's like my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> I mean, we, we could outline so, where we've left off like briefly and then like yeah. what it is, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if we want to talk. I feel like we have to talk about the burn and Giorgio's exit. And so I'm worried if we start d- diving into what we think is next for this season, we might forget to circle back to those things. So mm-hmm. I don't, do you guys want to talk about the burn since that was our main plot arc of this season? Only Ooh, to bitch about burn. it. <laughs> <laughs> Only to bitch about it. What I want to say real quick about the burn is just, it was a very interesting, very compelling mystery to establish why this future is broken. But the answer that they gave... Hey, Grant, don't say tantrum. I got lit up last time for saying that word, so I'm just trying to help you. Is they had a kid throw a tantrum <laughs> next to a dilithium plant. <laughs> Clyde's words, not mine. Hey, I, 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 I took that back. I You're took breaking it back. Mariah. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> You're, she, she brings in the Gen Z, man. You can't just break sad. her. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> and she's gone. I'm just saying. <laughs> I got lit I up. I take it back. Chat. I take it back. Um, I can... it was more nuanced than that, Grant, and you it, know it. But it was, was it satisfying for me? It really was not emotionally satisfying. Uh, and it 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 felt like it was more about Saru connecting with his roots and growing as a character. That's why they made it a Kelpian who was going through this existential crisis. And that just, I love seeing Doug Jones act all that for sure, but it didn't connect with me emotionally. The, the source of the burn. Yeah. 
it reminded me of phantom menace and george lucas's instincts in the storytelling there of of how you you take something fascinating and then show anakin skywalker as a kid <laughs> it it wasn't it wasn't good it, it Mar- mariah has a defense good. of it though right I, I do, but I, I can also understand that I there are things I wish had happened with what they had created as the source of the burn. Um, you know, I think I would have liked to have seen a better build up to the moment we saw it happen, right? Because we saw the hologram of how it sort of happened. And I feel like there was the, all of this imagery of all of the ships exploding. And I, I wonder if there would have been more of this like, big crescendo if we had seen in some way shape or form i don't know if the hollow could have provided this but it's like the in the inciting incident and then it's like the ripple effect like going across the gallery you know it's like yeah. i think it, it mm-hmm. felt so yeah. big at the beginning of the season and then it came down to this small nuanced moment um which again i can also see from like a writery standpoint that that's also appealing so I, I appreciated the sciencey elements behind it in the way that it like took the science of Star Trek with the science of now to sort of explain it. But again, it was this like moment where Colbert is sort of explaining it sort of offhand. I think I just wanted the gravitas of what this was in those scenes. Well, I think so. I've, I agree with you, Mariah. And, and I've had a chance to really think about this for a while because this has been sitting with me. And I think part of what has happened is that we all had this really big expect- expectation based on what was going on in the show, right? Was it nefarious? Was it malicious? Who did this? Was it a big cover-up or conspiracy? Like we had a lot of expectations that that this was going to be a big thing to uncover and it was going to give us a new big bad or all of this stuff. Yes. And and I think I think what the writers were trying to do was to show us that it's easy for us to go there and for everyone to think that. But in reality the the this huge thing that impacted lives all over the galaxy, right? Changed the course of history was came down to human interaction or not human but a, a person and trauma right and that trauma rippling out across the galaxy and so that it was organic and not a conspiracy right mm-hmm. that it actually instead of it being someone trying to do something to get ahead or to get further what it actually was was something that was inadvertent it was a mistake it was an accident and I and I don't know that I don't know that it came across that well, but I think the moral of this story was it was an accident, a simple accident, and and not this big conspiracy theory. That's really that's really well said, and uh, mm-hmm. I do I did appreciate the the subversion of expectations that you're talking about there. You know, it, it all was about this this one. Uh, personal interaction that was was so devastating to a person that it rocked the whole galaxy, right? Like that's pretty compelling uh-huh. from just a story standpoint. The execution wasn't all that, you know, didn't really get me so invested. Like, um, I really like it. Like, have you guys seen that new movie, The Little Things with no. Denzel Washington? I did watch uh, it, yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that movie a lot. I like those hard-boiled crime noir thrillers, but the movie has the it sets up uh this this great murder mystery and uh it has all the trappings of like a murder mystery crime noir hard-boiled thriller and it it delivers on all that but it's really it subverts all that and at the end it becomes some about something else something more human something more ground level and deeper that i didn't expect um and that was a great subversion where they made everything kind of small and about one character really um and just to say that can be done really well and really put you into shoes of that person who's experiencing that pain that had such a an impact on everything you're seeing on screen. But but this season for for disco, I, that really didn't happen for me. I know it worked for a lot of people. Um, 
But yeah. It's so funny you say that, Mike, because I hated the ending of that movie. So we'll have to talk about that another yeah, time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people did. I, I really a lot of people it, did. Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. it, but I've heard about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, but I, I can see where you're you're sort of drawing the comparison about like it is just the the actions of a single human or not human in this case, but a single person, and instead of it being this this grandiose sort of item, and you know, it's like if I was still in like college i'd probably try to write a paper about how it's like a metaphor for generational trauma or something like that because i think there's ways to sort of bring it into that that realm of thinking Mm -hmm. um but i can also understand people's frustration because i think when it is this big mystery you want the big the big bang ending right well even if they had been a little bit more creative with how they linked the trauma that has undergone the disco crew with that of the the Kelpian kid, then at least I I would feel that kind of build up that connection that like, we can relate to what happened to you. I, I didn't feel like they properly explained why this kid's um, emotional outburst. If that's a more, a better way to say it, Clyde, um, why that was tethered to, um, the dilithium and how that rippled through space. I don't understand how it took a hundred years and um, what's her name? Uh, Burnham to roll in and then like just find three little coordinates over the course of like a week or two. And she was able to like put all this together when it doesn't seem like Starfe- Starfleet was lacking in technology or communication across space. They were still able to travel and communicate. And and if it was a matter of being able tr- to triangulate a planet, that also just didn't seem to make sense to me. Like, uh, there's a lot of problems with suddenly how they executed that almost feels like this was a, a ladder change in what they wanted to do versus all these other elements that seem to be like, if, if you want to go into the future, if you want to talk about, there's a problem with Starfleet, why not have it be that Starfleet was instrumental in accidentally causing the burn. And that maybe there is a problem of accountability with Starfleet. That seemed but like they so were. Much puzzle pieces that was, that were going on there, but it, but are they having the conversation of like Starfleet lacks accountability? They caused the burn. Because, I mean, it was the Starfleet ship that crashed. And so they didn't have, like, for because of whatever reason, they didn't go after this particular ship. You know, that could be another question we have to get answered in the next season of, like, why was there no rescue party sent out for this particular science vessel? Um, And, you know, perhaps I can see if I can get a video from from Dr. Aaron, who is the science... um, a consultant on Star Trek because she did and it's on her Twitter. It was a while ago though. So I don't know if she has it pinned, but she sort of explained the science of the burn and how it sort of uh, works in regards to his, you know, molecular structure and how it was with essentially within the rhythm of dilithium because of the planet. And so when he had this emotional outburst, the dilithium started vibrating, right? And so vibrations create sound and the sound wave is uh, in this case in Star Trek uh, science vibrates at the same rhythm as subspace because it's a subspace particle. And so it traveled throughout subspace at this massively fast at the speed of sound across the galaxy, uh, which is what caused the burn. But, but that was tethered to, or that was related to the music that everyone knew then too. That was the song. It was, I don't know about the song, but here's the thing I'm reminded of. (laughs) If you have to explain a joke, then it's not a very good joke. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm looking in the comments, <laughs> and Chike says, do you think the Burned will be retcon next season? I don't think it'll be retcon, but it's interesting that this is the type of question fans are asking and talking about and discussing, because it, I think largely it just didn't land. You know, it didn't land. So people are like, I I, I want a better resolution or something that that satisfies me a little more. Uh, in terms of the burn. Um, but I, do you guys want them to try to make it deeper next season? Or you Please just want to move past it? Burn. Please Let's just move past it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm kind of ready to see like who's our our big bad in the galaxy now that Osira is gone. Like what um I'm assuming there's a big vacuum sort of created with her dis- you know fall from power and a bunch of medium-sized bads will sort of appear trying to like make their way to the top for control of things um because wherever you have like something like the Federation sort of existing, there's going to be people who don't want it to exist for their own gains and and profits. So. so, so Mariah, you want a big bad. Oh yeah. I'm ready for a big bad. So, so you prefer the big bad versus the like TNG style. We're exploring and looking at issues on different planets, but not really having a definitive bad guy that we're in constant conflict with. I mean, it doesn't have to be like a constant conflict, but, uh, you know, Voyager is my favorite. And it was always that like low level uh, sort of terror of the Borg. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like they don't they're not in every episode, but there's just this this opportunity to run into them. And we know that they exist. Um, And so I think I'm looking for who that's going to be going forward. Well, well, the chain still exists. And Osira was like a Darth Maul within the chain, right? Wasn't she still answering to someone else within the chain? I think was she was. Sense I got it. She was trying to make her own moves to be the broker of peace with the Federation, sort of with their blessing, but it was, she wasn't I, top dog necessarily. I, I think she was a top dog and was that's, she? yeah, I think she was uh, a top dog and that's why, um, you know, she was a top dog. She was responsible for all the atrocities. So I think that's why, um, the Admiral wanted her to step down. Like this will only work if, if mm-hmm. you're not the face of it, because okay. everyone's going to link it all back to you. Cause you're the big boss. Yeah. Well, if the chain does still exist and someone else jumps into that seat, I guess it could be interesting to see who it is. It is a little bit disappointing that we lost both of the interesting villains in the final episode with her and the, the dude, <laughs> I don't pirate, know his name. Pirate Western guy. Um, pirate Western guy. But uh, I don't know if it was that bad. He, he everything <laughs> about him said, "I can't wait for him to die." Right? True. Like, oh, sorry, you could have kept. Yes, but I wanted him to die epically, and like that was like, ha, huh, rewarding. We asked about season four theories on our Instagram, and we're talking about big bads, and somebody said, uh, "I don't know if you guys can yeah. see." This. <laughs> The <laughs> Let's make a species eight four seven three, trying to take over the Federation of Planets, which could be fun, right, Mariah? It it could be very interesting. Also, I'd love to see like a redo of these particular aliens with better tech. I think they would mm-hmm. be far yeah, scarier. They're, <laughs> they're like Star Trek's first completely CGI like mm-hmm. alien foe that was on Voyager, and uh, kind of a cool idea. Uh, yeah. Execution is a little wonky, but that, you know, I typically don't like um, theories where it's like, oh, bring back this random alien or let's connect it to the past. But I think that one would be cool. I think there's really a lot to explore like there. One episode. Yeah. Avoid. It was like two, three. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It does seem like if the Federation still has the sole access to the spore drive, even if there might be uh, two venues for it now with Samets and Book, um, that that is going to put a target on them from some sort of outside enemy. We also have this, this lingering mystery of, of um, I mean, I guess we can probably put control to bed, but is it possible that some element of control was still lingering on the ship when they blasted forward into the future? And then mm-hmm. a, a third option is um, remember that little green spot that green little dust dust pellet of Lorca is could Lorca come back? Yes. Lorca can come back. Oh Lorca. Um, Lorca joins the the, the spores and, and becomes a little uh spore baby like Colbert. You know, I think uh, having two years separated from Lorca's demise would be perfect, right? We're we're now primed and and we when we left we're primed baby. By the way in the comments they're mad about that. Language and uh we uh, we left Disco and its crew at the end of season three in a position where, uh, yeah, no more control. In a position where um, it's really going to be a new show. It's a new crew, and 
they got they we let them kind of with their shit together, right? Yeah. Yeah. So wouldn't it be great that the brand new challenge is something that they left behind that's come back to haunt them. It's gonna bring up old wounds. And that's Lorca. Tyler. Oh no. It's <laughs> um, Lorca. <laughs> I was thinking oh sorry, Clyde, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead, Mariah. Um so with Calypso technically being the farthest into the future that we've ever seen the short trek. Um, and we do know that the ship exists or some formation of the ship exists that far into the future. Um, to me, it either provides the possibility that we might get some more time travel business at some point, but also there was some mention of like a war at that point, right? That guy was a soldier. And so to me, we have to start setting up at least the political game that's going to set up for this potential war that this guy's fighting in. And I know that's even farther in the future, but all of those political messes start usually way in the past. So it'd be interesting to see. True. You know, I like that Mariah, because I think one of the things that, that we realize is that now, you know, yes, discovery is the only one with a spore drive, but we're because the we understand what happened with the burn, they're not worried about a burn issue anymore. And we found a planet filled with dilithium. And so I think what we'll see in season four is there's going to be a lot more, not only travel, but commerce. There's going to be a lot more exploration and settlement. And when you have those things, you inevitably have a political structure and a power dynamic. And so to your point, you're going to start to see people interacting both positively and negatively. Um, And, you know, it would not surprise me if we started to see factions and warring and things like that um, come into play because they're not going to be scared of traveling at the speed of warp anymore. Yeah, we're going to see the disco traveling all over the galaxy now, right? They're, They're... Bringing the good news to everyone. Hey, we have dilithium again. The the, the Federation's back, mm-hmm. and we're going to see different sects of of the galaxy and how they've changed. How planets we've known and civilizations we've known throughout Trek have changed. So that'll be interesting. Also, um, Ooh, in the comments, I, I was going to say, Mike. You know what I want? I want a Voyager uh, episode. J, J, uh, who was it? Limo said, "Yeah." What? Voyager. <laughs> Sorry, did I freeze? Am I back? Oh, yeah. A Voyager episode. Because there's a oh, new, you mean the new Voyager. There's a new Voyager ship. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we yeah. could get a bottle episode. Is the doctor still there? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Lamo says more Giorgio, please. And let's uh, talk yeah. about Giorgio because uh there's not gonna be more Giorgio on this show because she's gone. Um Potentially. So let's Let's talk about um, Michelle Yeoh's exit since we didn't get to talk about that last time and where we think we'll see her in the future in Star Trek. Is that Section 31 show ever going to happen? We don't know. Mm -hmm. If Um, it doesn't or if it fails, maybe she'll be back. (laughs) Maybe she'll be back. Yeah. Did you guys, uh, I I know Grant, I talked to you about this a while back and you, you like the mirror universe um, episodes because of the camp. It was, yeah. Yeah, I typically don't respond to them because of that. And it's funny because my favorite Star Trek show, Deep Space Nine, I think is the the Star Trek show that has the most Mirror Universe episodes. They have like five. Um, and I, I don't really love them, even on Deep Space Nine. I just don't like how just big and broad they are and how silly they are. I do appreciate like the cast doing... Diff- taking on different roles and trying different things out, but that can only go so far in terms of my enjoyment. So I understand why we had to dip into the mirror. You this time to go through, uh, to build, you know, Michelle Yeoh's uh, Giorgio as a character and to really examine her and change her and then to have her exit. I get it, but those weren't my favorite episodes for all those reasons I just shared. Uh, how'd you guys feel about her exit and, and that little, that little arc that we took, the little side arc we took in the middle of the season. I'll say that I actually agree with you, Mike, in terms of not being a huge fan of mirror universes, 
But I thought Discovery did a hell of a job with their mirror universes. Like, like I said, I, I'm usually like, oh, here we go. This is this is an episode that doesn't really matter. So I'm only going to half pay attention. But they connected it to so it did matter. It had a purpose. It connected to the story. So I love that. Um, and, it, you know, I look at this from an artistic standpoint and a business standpoint. Artistically, as exits go for spinoffs... I thought it was pretty decent. I really did. I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was solid. It, I, I'm not going to go best spinoff exit ever, but I don't feel like I have a whole lot to complain about. Um, and from a business standpoint, look, we were all excited about Michelle Yeoh being on Discovery, right? Just like you've got handsome Mount on on a show. You needed a draw, and dang it, if Michelle Yeoh's not one, I'm tuning in to wherever she lands. And so, do I think they're going to do a show? Absolutely. This thing prints money, right? Like, you can literally, you can mess around and have a Star Trek show every night of the week, and I'm going to be tuned in every night. <laughs> so, I, it, it, I look at it and go, it's a win for me, it's a win for the company. Um, it worked for me. She will so be back. Podcasting, though. So much. I'm so excited. Um, I thought it was like a send off befitting the status that is Michelle Yeoh. It's like if you're going to bring someone who is of that sort of like stature and legacy in in like film and television to me, you have to give her a proper send off. And I think after the the pilot episode of of Discovery and sort of seeing how we had to come back around to bring her, you know, I'm glad we got to see like a proper goodbye. Um, I also just thought it was a bit of a fun break in the season. You know, we got to just sort of have some fun. It was solidly entertaining. I thought the whole way through, I mean, I also enjoy drag Queens and like y'all are saying the mirror universe is everyone on camp, right? Like everyone is just like, turned up to 11 with evil and sexiness and the costumes are tighter and made of leather and we get to see people be their evilest selves and and i just really enjoyed the ride for what it was um as well as enjoying seeing michelle yo get you know her flowers before she goes it was very operatic yeah. it was yes. extremely hilarious going- that they have dance fights in the hallway or whatever <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to get the tight leather out of my head. Okay, you know, focusing. People are discussing the mirror you in chat. Um, Chike says, I agree with you, Mike, about the mirror universe. And Lee's A, since I brought up DS9's mirror you episodes, she's fondly remembering mirror Kira, which, yeah, I fondly remember mirror Kira too. And I got to Google that because you know. <laughs> Google it. You'll like it. Explain it to the rest of us. <clears throat> Oh, uh, she is just down and dirty and badass and kind of like oh, Giorgio wow. will fuck <laughs> everything that moves and uh, skin tight cat suit. Yeah, okay. So, I'm a, I'm a, a little close, dated. I'm closing sure. that tab. Uh. <laughs> uh, Kern says Discovery did a far better job with the Mirror You than DS9 for the most part. Yeah, I, I'd agree there. And Liz A says, I actually really like seeing Mirror Burnham. I agree. And that was, and I know I talked a lot a bit about this last episode where we were discussing wrap ups, but Sonequin Martin green is just like a joy to watch on screen and getting to see her, I think play this totally polar opposite character in some ways, but still similar in other ways was very fascinating. And and I enjoyed seeing that performance. Right on. I think, um, what should we talk about next during our loose hang? What? Did, did uh, you cover all of your theories for uh, season four? Right. Oh, no way. No, we, I we have a started. whole list. <laughs> let's started. I'm excited for it. But wait, we got right, you, said, you said we, you want to talk about the burn and Georgia. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we got to that? Drag I mean, queens. Always drag queens. I need drag queens in space. I have not seen enough of this. 
I, I think that should happen. I need my first drag queen performance in space. I know there is uh, a number of queens from the last season of RuPaul's Drag Race who are huge Star Trek fans, and they get together and talk about Star Trek while in drag. And I never thought I could see my two fandoms combine in a more beautiful way. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we should invite like some I- of them on the. We need to invite some of them on the pod. Yes. That sounds like a costume challenge for Grant. For <laughs> <laughs> everyone. Get your makeup palettes ready. You have three hours. Your time starts now. Um, okay. We got some season four questions and theories in the chat, but let's, let's talk about Mariah's uh, theory extravaganza here. Yeah. I mean, the, the one I sort of let spill is the whole Calypso thing, set a, s- setting up some of the political moves that we need to make in that. But um, I was talking with my spouse about uh, his theories as well. He had the very uh, inaccurate wild bot theory, <laughs> evil bot theory for this season. So we always like chatting about them. But so season one, we had Burnham searching for her place back in Starfleet. We had the Klingon War. Season two was, you know, Redux search for Spock. Season three, we have the search for the Federation. Um, and so now it's like, are we going to be searching for something and what would be that something? I'm not sure what that is yet, but it seems to be a reoccurring theme every season. Um, and then the other thing is we have to figure out a way to get Saru back with the crew, right? Like he's going off and doing this whole sort of soul searching and, you know, what is the only thing that could probably call Saru back the fastest, right? Blow up Kiminar. I mean, but he's on Kaminar. But let's also not blow up Kaminar. A little extreme, my friend. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking, extreme. you know, Saru would do anything for Burnham, but who would Burnham do anything for at this point? What if there well, was like a, a poker competition in the lower decks and he really wanted to join that? It's possible too. Better um, than killing everyone on Kaminar. So the theory is being we're going to be on a search for book. Like something's going to happen to book. And Burnham is going to be going looking for book. And the only thing that is going to make Burnham go rogue faster than she already goes rogue is book. And so something happens where Burnham is also captured. Saru has to come back and sort of save the day and come back in. It's a great title of an episode or an arc looking for book. I mean, it seems like the disco crew doesn't have the same um, hangups that previous uh, ships had to deal with where like I'm going to have to leave on a five year mission because they can just blip over there and then blip right back. Right. They mm-hmm. instantaneous space travel. So there's no reason that we can't pick up at the beginning of season four with a series of events having already um, taken place. And Saru's just back from his time on Kaminar. He's got a great tan feeling relaxed he's got some tommy bahamas on and he's ready to just kick it back with the crew but maybe maybe his new kind of elevated um perspective is in that is that he he doesn't want to be captain but he can be effective and effective either number one or sort of like liaison on the ship um just like a, a consultant who's also on there i definitely do want to see I want to see Saru back in the ship, not necessarily in the captain's chair, because I do like seeing Burnham there. But, And I don't really want a lot of tension between them, but I do want him to find his role. you know. And I kind of hope we get maybe one episode about that, and then he just mm-hmm. locks into place. you know. And I, I trust these writers to do that, to find his role, um, because they obviously love writing for Doug Jones, as we saw this last season. Um, so he's definitely going to be a big part of the show this year, or this whenever it comes out. Um, and I think they'll, I think they'll have a good idea of where to lock him in, in terms of his character and his place in season four. Uh, Kern says, I want to see in season four, what happened to the Klingons? Yeah. We saw like no Klingons this season. Mm -hmm. Has the empire collapsed with the loss of Dilithium with the 24 houses fighting each other again? I want to see the Klingons. I want to see, um, you know, the legacy of Worf. We can talk about that now since we're past all that. Uh, I want to see the legacy of um, Mary Chifo's Klingon or Luce Hang. My, her name's escaping me. <laughs> um, Laurel. 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 Yeah. 
I, I want to see, you know, I'm not a big reference guy, but it's going to be season four. Let's kind of dig into, and it's going to be season four where we're a thousand years away from, from the, you know, the past Star Trek. So let's talk about what happened to the Klingons. Let's explore that. Did Worf, did Laurel, did what they accomplished uh, have any influence all these, you know, this, all these years in the future, later, yeah. all these generations. Yeah. That would be cool. Maybe one scene of them Wikipedia and then going, Oh, <laughs> they're gone. Um, the other thing we, we have left to sort of figure out besides like some interpersonal things between Stamets and Burnham is um, trying to bring uh, gray sort of out of Adira's uh, psyche and into the real world in some way, shape or form. Um, so I'm excited to see how they sort of manage that so that we can see more interactions between Ian mm-hmm. Alexander with the rest of the cast. Cause I really enjoyed the episodes where um, gray was, you know, at least a physical representation and able to really interact with more than just Adira. So when they were on the ship it, next to Kaminar and gray was able to pop out, that was essentially like a holodeck program, like a more advanced one, right? Mm-hmm. apparently but i also wonder if it had something to do with the massive amounts of radiation on the planet and so um i think we'll get some explanation to how that happened and then of course we'll see our our baby geniuses unite and come up with a plan to to make it happen i, I was just kind of curious if there are, like trills have been inside of hollow decks in other trek mm-hmm. they have they, mm-hmm. and, and it's not like that's a there's no. any sort of like side effect. No, this is we're in new territory with with this character for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely more to be mined there, especially if if they could go into just the fun kind of sciencing it with like I like those scenes where everyone's kind of teaming up to workshop um, mad scientist kind of solutions to these complex problems and. They're like, hey, we we were in a scenario where we saw this effective. How can we construct our own experiment mm-hmm. where we can try and re- recreate that? That'd be very cool. Yeah, and who knows what we'll get out of the spore drive even since we were able to essentially reincarnate, for the lack of a better word, um, Wilson yeah. Cruz. So who knows? <laughs> they built him from mushrooms. Yeah, so maybe we'll get uh, a, a MacGyvered mushroom and is Ian he, Alexander. Yes, was MacGyver. <laughs> was Colbert constructed from Stamets' memory in there, or was he? I'm a little bit loose on my memory of that as well. I'd have to rewatch to be able to explain it thoroughly, but he, I, essentially yeah. he was in like the parallel sort of world that was created by the mycelial network. He just got. I, Trapped in there during a jump yeah. or something, right? When he was done, there. If I remember right, I think he was reconstructed by angry tweets. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you kill him? Why are you burying your gay? Sorry, sorry, we didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that's what that was. Also, mushrooms. Yeah, mushrooms, mushrooms solve lots of things. Hey, we're talking a lot about disco. Um, there are other. Trek shows strange new worlds is yes. filming. Um, we're seeing these new paramount, like CBS all access is rebranding as paramount plus, And we're seeing all these fun uh, promos for paramount plus pop up with star Trek characters. We're seeing uh, there's been one with, there's been a few with Spock, our new Spock, Ethan Peck. There's been a few with handsome Mount mm-hmm. as captain Pike, which are fun. They're like interacting with like people from Reno nine one one and stuff like that. Hey. There was a new one with um as, with Sonequa as Burnham, like interacting with like people from Reno nine one one. Oh. I'm I'm hearing myself. Up. Yeah. Is that you, okay. Grant? Yeah. <laughs> I thought Good I had All right. muted. Grant. Okay. Come on now. And uh so that's cool. I think um let's talk about Strange New World. That that also filmed or has started filming. Have they wrapped that yet? Does anybody know? Mm-mm. No, mm-hmm. so everything currently is still filming. A, a couple of they were supposed to like start Picard in January, and it got pushed to February. I did just see that our um, our uh, Jean Luc Picard did get the vaccine, which is great to see um, that he yes. can be safe on set. 
Um, and then Lower Decks has started the animation process. Apparently all the voiceover work has been done at this point. Mm. Um, but yeah, everything's sort of in production. And I did see, unfortunately, Tig Notaro wasn't able to film for the first half of the season. Um, but they're hopeful to bring her up to Toronto to be able to film, uh, to get her in some episodes for the season. So, Is it is it bad that when we talk about these new shows, you've got Lower Decks, you've got Section 31, Brave New with uh, Strange, Strange New, new World, World. Picard. Prodigy. Prodigy. Oh, yeah, Prodigy. Prodigy. What's Prodigy? The Nickelodeon one for oh, kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of, the, of mm-hmm. those, I feel like Picard is the one I'm least looking forward to. I'm really looking forward to that because really? I just I want to see what they do now, right? Uh Chabon set it up and I think he largely set it up because he wanted his own show on on Paramount Plus and they gave it to him now he's gone. And uh they're bringing in new showrunners. They got Mark mm-hmm. Bernard in writing it who's written a bunch of cool sci-fi stuff that I like. Um I think they're going to do something new and different with it and there's really no map for what Picard can be in season two. Like there's no real expectation for it. Um, so yeah. Talk yeah, about strange to... new worlds. That, that should be pretty cool. Yeah. With Picard, we had the team up. And so I'm glad we get, you know, and anything with more Jerry Ryan, I'm going to uh, at yeah. least watch and, and see what happens. Um, and then, yeah, strange new worlds. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked to see, uh, how they sort of approach that. Um, Cause I think it's going to be a, a little less dark than we've seen in some of newer Trek previously, but whatever. Grant of all these new Trek shows coming out, which one are you most uh, anticipating? <laughs> you look so excited, dude. I'm, I'm not interested in strange new worlds or Picard. Not really interested in a, you don't want to see more Pike. No, not, I mean, not particularly. I, Pike was great among our crew, but maybe it'll, it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be great, but I'm not excited right now. The, the one thing I am excited for is the return of Lower Decks. I know what that one is, and mm. I loved the first part of it. Yeah, yeah. And that's I probably see. the one we'll see first, right? Yeah, yeah, I have a feeling that'll be the one we see first of anything. And and Tawny Newsom on Twitter was like, I cannot even hint whatsoever who this is, but apparently a guest star Um that they got to to work or a guest voice that they got to work with this up uh, this season. Tawny was like, as soon as I read the character, I knew who it who it needed to be, and that's who we got, and that's all I can say. So I'm, I'm it was excited. me. I'm excited. <laughs> it's gonna be. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. It's me. Ten strips of latinum says it's Mark Hamill. It's Mark Hamill. <laughs> it's, it's Mark Hamill. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> his guest spots though on so many shows are yeah. like really fun i recently really mm-hmm. enjoyed seeing him on um what we do in the, uh, sh- what we do in the shadows oh so good <laughs> jackie daytona it's such a good yes <laughs> for sure but we're we're ending the end of the stream guys anything else you want to bring up about potential future star trek and think about season three um I think JC has a good idea as far as what they should do in season four. Um, just turn the show into Lost. What if? What if? I'm here for it. What if the ship makes a jump to this island planet that they just can't escape from? <laughs> Mariah's gone. And Mariah's gone. <laughs> and uh, th- there's just like weird forehead statues and polar bears, and they can't escape from this planet. Oh man! I- I'm predicting an episode where there is a smoke monster on Discovery. We have to go back. (laughs) All right. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us on our Loose Hang pod this week. Loose Hang. Everybody. They should just all be Loose Hangs. (laughs) Why not, right? Why not? (laughs) Remember to follow us on Twitter at Star Trek Pod to find out when we're going live during the off-season. Mariah, tell people where they can find us. Yeah, so you can subscribe to the audio version of this show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us uh, streaming the video on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, all of the places. Um, But you can go to StarTrekPod.co to find all of those links and more. Uh, You can also help support us by going to Patreon.com slash StarTrekPod. 
right here. You can go to this link and you can give us a uh, two bucks an episode. And that is about eight bucks a month at most. Right now we're, we're in our off season, so it's probably even a little less. But get to join us in the sl- exclusive Slack channel, chat with a bunch of other Trekkies about great theories and discussion on books and side projects, development of the shows, whatever. Um, we'd love to have you there, and we appreciate all of your support. Patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. And like Mariah said, remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Star Trek Pod. Uh, I want to shout out Karen, who helps runs our Twitter, and James Worm, who runs our Insta. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Oh, we get to see the shirt. Okay. I was showing you, it's a, it's a shirt of this um, musician, artist, Mark Rebier. And my friend John Rubio did the artwork for it. But if you haven't checked him out, he's awesome. You should look at him on Instagram. Y'all will love it. He freestyles all of his music on the spot. Hmm. Really great. Uh, I I need some help real quick from the chat. Um, I have, do you guys like these or these? Are are they literally just the same glasses, but one's clear and one's dark? Yeah. 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 They both look good, man. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Depending on, you know, like the, the occasion, you know, right. What you're feeling. Wearing one on top of the other. I mean, are mm-hmm. they from Zenny? We need to just get a sponsorship from Zenny. I'm pretty <laughs> These sure. These are we Warby, actually. Warby yeah. glasses. <laughs> I, if I had to choose, I think I'd go dark. About that one. Very like loose pod. I gotta say, very, 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 very loose, loose pod. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay. you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mariah Gossett. Uh, where else can we follow you hooligans to vote on glasses and such? You can find me at Clyde Haynes or on the web at www.keyandclyde.com. That's K-E-I and Clyde.com. Well, well, it depends on the shirt you're wearing, Mike. I think maybe if you were wearing something a little warmer. Like yeah, a, yeah. Like a, can you change? I can change shirts if you guys want to wait. <laughs> I have to iron it though. Hang on. I know. I know. Jonathan Van Ness now lives in Austin. Perhaps you can run into him on the trail and get his opinion. He lives here now. Yeah. Yeah. He he owns a house here. How exciting! Cool. I need a looser word than loose for this problem. <laughs> <laughs> this has loose been a wave. No, that's sloppy. <laughs> sloppy. Well. Let's let's stop. <laughs> Find me stop. on Twitter at Mike Moody Garcia. Get me to a thousand followers. Come on. I'm tired of begging. All right. Live long and prosper. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.